welcome to the NBS News with your hosts, Josh Simpson and Ian Savage. All right, everyone, welcome back to NBS News. It is the 25th of July, 2020, and it is still the apocalypse, right, Josh? Um, yeah, Ian, it is still the apocalypse because I, I feel like I have to talk about this just for the listeners real quick. And just because I kind of want this documented, you know, because we, <laughs> we post our stuff, Ian and I were planning on, you know, we're recording this late in the evening on the 25th and we were going to do this a little bit earlier. However, I had to break away the moment we were about to start recording this episode of our NBS news because a huge part of the tree in my front yard happened to fall on both me and my roommate's vehicles uh, and the side of the house. And it was pretty intense and it was a huge tree, but all of our neighbors riled up together with machetes and axes and uh, we moved the cars away. We chopped them stuff up. So there's a big ass pile of wood in our front yard. But uh, that was uh, the only way I can describe it is it was wild. It was just absolutely wild. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you: was it was it a, a, a like a a life changing experience to, to see men work? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, I can't I can't help myself. But no, anyway, because well, it, was a, it was a lot of labor. I'm not being paid for. But and the only pun I made, I only I, I refrained myself. The only pun I made is I looked over to my roommate and I said, "Hey, so uh, uh, do do we need to put this in the logbook or or what?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right well let's get that's, started that's overall because... generally terrible yeah but um yeah as you're saying we should get started and uh there's a there's a few interesting things to talk about for this week in case everybody um hasn't been following the plot we were a little bit late on this episode we were going to have it last week but because of a couple of weeks ago we did a bullshit boulevard we wanted to make sure that we got a main episode out last week that was the technological friend zone if anybody is uh listening to that episode i thought that was a really fun episode to record so we're back talking about the news and josh um i suppose we, before we actually get started i'm ian savage <laughs> I'm the uh, philosopher in the room, otherwise known as the person who makes everybody uh, miserable. And uh, Josh, um, do you want to take a stab at introducing yourself before I ruin this opening? Yeah, that's 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 true. I I am Josh Simpson, and uh, I am the thespian um, kind of in the room, I guess, in this podcast. And I don't have a, a, a quip or a catchphrase yet. Maybe I'll get working on that. Maybe I'll try to find one that, that works. You, yeah, me. you'll have to. You'll have to if you're going to be a counselor. And you know, it's funny. I don't even remember us normally introducing ourselves in the MBS News sec, uh, episodes that we do, but it's been so long that I've forgotten. So Sure. And I think it's probably a good thing we should start practicing because, you know, as much as we like to assume that all of you guys just know <laughs> us and love us and want to listen to us all the time, that we're going to get some new people and or, or hopefully that is the goal to have new people listen. Right. I yes. <laughs> new listeners every week. Hopefully. <laughs> please. Please, God, uh, subscribe. Yeah. Um, but no. Yeah, so, so let's let's talk about some news here because there's been some shit going on you know there's been some, yeah there's so some stuff going on i as much as i uh love talking about it um we have to talk about portland um not portland maine uh <laughs> but portland but portland oregon that's a place uh that uh josh and i are both uh, familiar with um and any oregon listeners uh would know right now that portland is in shambles um it you know since the well, first of all, I mean, since the election of Donald Trump in 2016, there have been constant uh, protests in the street, you know, protesting his presidency and claims of fascism. And there have been this sort of new wave 
of anti-fascist or antifa commonly known as i guess rose city antifa is their local chapter although they're completely disorganized and ha- and have no uh centralizing authority to them that's part of their nature but since the wake of the murder of george floyd there have been even more aggressive protests and rioting and i'm if you'll notice what i'm saying here i'm i'm making the clear distinction here and for the past gosh i mean i can't remember when george floyd uh, died that was what early june something like that maybe april um and so it feels like for at least the last six weeks there's been pretty intense uh protests and and uh riots in portland and so this main news topic i wanted to bring up uh to you josh and, and to our dear listeners is that um this last wednesday uh and it was may sorry may, may 25th may 25th okay when, okay thank moment. you thank you so it was yeah so it was right before april or right mm. after April, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so at last Wednesday, the mayor of Portland, that that smart, smart man, he was tear gassed when he joined uh, not protesters, but rioters uh, in the streets of, of downtown Portland. And I just thought this was just the um, just the 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 little crown on top, you know, the, the little, the little cherry on top of the Sunday, you know, the I'm crown kind of, on the no, king but I'm here. kind of, I'm kind of interested in the rhetoric that you're using here. So why did you, first of all, why did you make You said, I'm going to make a distinction between protesters and rioters. And then you doubled down and said that, you know, the Ted Willie was out there with rioters. Now yes. I'm, I'm curious. So are you, you know, where are you, I guess what is your distinction then? If you're going to make a clear distinction, you should right. probably define what you mean, and then go you because know, this is a part of of this news story that I think is fascinating about the interpretation of this, you know, and and you know what's kind of going on there before you kind of continue. So if you can do me a favor, just for us and the listeners, define what you mean when you say protest. Define what you mean when you say riots. What's the difference between the two, and why are you choosing to use the word riot in this context? Yeah, so I'm 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 glad you're I'm glad you want to open that up because I think, you know, the 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 main difference here is that, you know, the protesters I think have largely been uh Black Lives Matter movement uh protesters and who have largely been peaceful, largely. That doesn't mean that like you know, people who are uh for and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement haven't been violent or haven't done anything. I I don't know all the numbers, but I know they've been largely peaceful. Now, the difference here is that between protesters and rioters is that interspersed within the Black Lives Matter movement in downtown Portland and, and of course, in other uh, parts of, of of the country, especially in the Pacific Northwest and in Portland and Seattle included, is that there is uh, it is interspersed with Antifa or Rose City Antifa, as I uh, mentioned earlier. And what they have been doing is destroying property. They've been uh, there was even one moment where there was the federal courthouse downtown uh, Portland, where there were still employees working in there, where where they uh, try to set fire to the building and try to blockade the uh, the entrance. So uh, employees couldn't leave. And then, of course, federal federal troopers try to arrest them and, and push back and tear gas everyone. And so these Antifa protesters have been rioting. And so that's the distinction that I've been making. And I want, you know, before we get into the rest of the story, I want to say here, just on the record, I am sympathetic to the argument being made by Antifa because I know that most of them, if not all, identify as anarcho-communists. And so I guess I should just preface here with saying that I personally view myself in a very similar camp to anarchists. I see a lot of 
bad things coming from established governments and the state. However, I think their their communist I- ideology, whatever anarcho syndicalist, uh, you know, socialism, whatever whatever you want to call it, I think is is flawed. And so I don't agree with their methods. And 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 second of all, and I think more importantly here is I don't care for their propensity to destroy. I think that doesn't really get them anywhere. It makes them look bad, especially in the rest of the nation wants something to be done about this. And so I think leading into our story here is, you know, there's a few points I pulled from the Oregonian here. So, uh, you know, after more than 2000 people were protesting uh, against police brutality in downtown Portland last Wednesday, local and national headlines keyed in uh, the one person who was uh, tear gassed in during this situation, which was Ted Wheeler, as I mentioned. And what's interesting is some of his advisors didn't want him to appear at all, fearing for his safety. But the plan, the staffer said, was for him to meet with the crowd, listen to what the protesters had to say, and to leave after about an hour or two. But many pro, uh, many Portland protesters said that they weren't appeased by his appearance or his, or his enduring uh, the gas. However, uh, they said that Wheeler had allowed the city's own police officers to repeatedly blast crowds with similarly uh, indiscriminate blasts of tear gas and other harmful munitions. Uh, Wheeler also uh, is the city's police commissioner which I think is a bit, it's a bit problematic and, and has a bit uh, a conflict of interest there. And then sure. what's, what's, what's funny here, too, is that in an interview with uh, Fox News um, this late Thursday, President Trump called Wheeler pathetic, and he said that he made a fool out of himself, he even called Wheeler uh, uh, that he was a wailing mayor. And, you know, I guess the, 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 the major point that I want to make here is that, Again, like I said, I, I am sympathetic to Black Lives Matter and and just the idea of of anarchism. However, their propensity to destroy and I'm I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the writers in Antifa, not Black Lives Matter, but their propensity to destroy, not create, is confusing to me because, like, I get that you know you you feel like there's some injustice going on in the world, and so you want to change that. But why not create? Why not create that new world? rather than just destroy. And what's interesting to me is that people are calling on, you know, the mayor of Portland and the Portland police to do something about this, you know, like citizens that live in Portland and they're not doing anything. And so Trump sends in these federal troops or they're largely DHS uh, troops, you know, sent from the border and they're doing something about it. And what's also interesting to me on this whole other level, and I know we were talking about this a little bit off mic, is that clearly this is the wrong way to go about it, right? Sending federal troopers into the city of Portland, into a, you know, into a local area where, you know, they are now taking over as far as authority goes and arresting people and tear gassing people and, and setting them free. I mean, this is the wrong way to go about things. You know, the Portland police should be doing their job and the, and the, you know, the mayor should be allowing the police to be able to do what they need to do to protect citizens to protect property, blah, blah, blah. But what Trump is doing, I know we've talked about this a little bit, isn't fascism. And what's interesting is that there's this common narrative now that goes somewhere along the lines is like we told you so this is what trump we thought we feared he was going to do this is now giving more voice to uh to antifa and i just feel like it is this spiraling chaos and i don't know where we go from here i don't even know how to talk about it intelligently without 
also falling into strange circles. And so I want to get your want to get your thoughts on here, Josh, because I found this just like just mind boggling, just mind boggling what's been going on up there. Sure. I, I just, I don't know. So first there's, there's certain ways that I've looked at it. And again, as you know, like I've always tried to view things optimistically and, and oftentimes I might try to put a spin on things that, that may not be right or wrong. You know, like I said, these are just right now, we're just kind of going through our opinions. Just your approach of this mentally is interesting to me because I find that, you know, making the distinction between the Antifa rioters and the Black Lives Matters movement, I just don't know, like I haven't seen enough information to to really know like if the people that are causing the damage are directly connected to like Antifa, you know, or any other organization. Cause I know that there's been reports of, of people that just like to cause violence that have been attached to these things, which is the complexities of the human you know, condition. And the fact that like there's certain sort of contexts or there's certain sort of understandings that we don't know. For example, I have a few friends that lived in Portland uh, that live in Portland and I have, I, I know, one of my friends uh, who went to a protest recently and, and another one of my friends that has been going to a few of them and their interpretation is that the majority of Portland, there's been no violence or rioting. Um, so, okay. No violence is, that's not what I mean. I mean, there's been no violence of property or damage of property or rioting for quite some time. You know, a, a few months is, is what I've been told. I've been told that the streets of Portland are relatively fine. Most of the businesses are open. It's mainly a three or two. They said two to four block, radius that a lot of these things are happening especially by the justice building and a lot of the times from people that i've talked to it's been peaceful and then these federal agents show up or back when the police showed up and the police presence is what causes this escalation Mm -hmm. you know this this aggressive eyes which is what portlanders were upset about when it was just the police and then the tear gas kind of ban happened and the fed stepped in which don't follow the same thing so for me first of all i get the worrisome of the Portland mayor, because here you are, you know, as the police commissioner, you know, you have had your own police tear gas, your citizens in Portland. And maybe that's because they're riding. Who knows what his justification is on that. But I know that, you know, some of the city council had asked to for him to relinquish his control over the police. He said no. Um, and so it is kind of interesting. And according, like you said, to the statement in the article, he wanted to go down there to see what was going on, ask questions and learn. You know, and then he got tear gassed. Who knows if it was a political stunt in his point to try to increase his popularity. I mean, it definitely seems you know, like a PR move to me, but it kind of seemed like a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, and I know that we'll talk about this different time, but you sent me that video about cancel culture. And the one thing I realized is, is not allowing people a chance to to learn or grow. Uh, you know, we we condemn so much. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but like, so that's why I'm optimistic. Think maybe he's kind of seeing that the escalation is not ha- has not stopped. So if I'm being charitable. You know, the only curious way to know what truly is going on is to go down there yourself. So, like, it might have been a PR move. I can also logically understand why he might want to go out there if your city is continuing to go through this damage. Now, the thing that I find interesting is this this double standard narrative where you have Trump calling these people violent anarchists, right? And then you have, you know, other publications saying that they're peaceful protests that are being uh, assailant by these, you know, federal agents that have stepped in that are literally, and I think the reason why it's confusing to me is because, you know, I'm not going to flat out say that it's, it's blatant tyranny, but it, it's, it's, it's very close. There are tyrannical and fascist elements 
You know what I mean? And well, I it's, think it's that's... Cer- it certainly echoes like what a police state might look like. But certainly, right. but certainly, you and I being able to talk about this situation, like I could, I could talk shit about Trump all day long, and nobody's going to come arrest me for it, right? Like we don't right. live in, a, in, you know, in a fascist dictatorship, right? But at the same time, though, it's like it, it is the start because it's just one city. But you know, and again, like like we talked about this before, you know, logically speaking, we might fall prey to a slippery slope argument here. But you know, if it's in one city and he talks about doing it in Chicago, you know, and and there's worries about you know having this progress into something worse. You know, I just think that it, the, 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 the reason that it is okay to be cautious because this is, this is daunting what's happening. You know, there's no doubt about that in, in my mind. Anyway, from the things that I've read, I, I don't think that federation should be, you know, you want, for example, the, the old, the, the Navy vet who just tried to talk to them and you watch them beat the fuck out of them. It's like, there's no reason for th- that level of, of, pushback from these federal officers they should just be protecting their and the thing is is like it's sketchy to me that like they're there for quote-unquote graffiti like you know what i mean to protect oh, the building sure. that's been yeah. Yeah. and so that's kind of sketchy well they, they were there. they were like, throwing like molotovs into the building and using mortars right but no you say that but how long when was that though when that's what i'm curious about these like, are the, when, these within the last three weeks this is in the last three weeks yeah because that's the thing that I've been looking at too, and like, and again, this is the this is the problem with with trying to cipher through this information. Yeah. Because a lot of the things that I see in the protests of, of people that I care about that are going to that are relaying this information, again, everyone says that things remain peaceful until the federal agents show up or until the police showed up. Right. And then, then things and get I de- a little bit and crazy. I, I definitely, th- I definitely think that's an issue, right? Like just the mere presence of police can de- certainly in, in, uh, in, uh, entice people into acting uh, more, you know, not necessarily more violently, but more recklessly. And, but and for I, me, the, the only last thing, the only last thing I want to make a comment on though, is like, you called me out the other day about, you know, history. And when I talked about seatbelts and I talked about the masks and what's funny is I like, I wanted to go back and and educate myself. So I did a little bit of research and you're absolutely right. Like there was a huge, huge pushback on seatbelts when it, when it first was put in and, and very similar to kind of reflecting what's going on with the masks. So I decided to do some research, you know, and there's certain things like you look at the West Virginia coal miners. Okay. Back in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. You know, and you look at the fact that they were mistreated and the fact that they blew up bridges, the fact that the federal government was shooting them, you know, and things like that. And to get what they want to fight for, even Hamilton right now just was released on Disney Plus, which kind of makes us think about, you know, the the American Revolution and how, you know, thank God. I I don't know. Like you look at these things where if it wasn't for the violent, violent revolution, like we wouldn't even have this America that we're thinking about. So look, I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and do this speech to say that I'm condoning rioters and destroying local businesses and, and doing things like that. But, you know, I am sympathetic at least to the interpretation of sometimes like to make meaningful change, you know, you have to make noise and the squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, and there's certain levels of, of, I guess sympathy that I that I have in the sense of tackling these issues and and even though I'm not straight up condoning the violence of property or I'm not or I'm not you know because we need to be obviously more respectful however you know there is conversations going on about this and hopefully this will eventually lead to meaningful change to at least you know make the violence 
beget for nothing. Yeah. So uh, this this will be the last thing I'll I'll say on this issue, and, and then and then we can move on. See, this is you know the point that you made. Uh, that's you know that's the very same thing that I'm that I'm sympathetic to, right? Like, okay, you see you see a problem, right? So like there needs to be change. That's why I'm sympathetic to the to the anarchist. Um, elements within Antifa within these the general sentiments about like defund the police personally I would like to abolish the police but that's not very popular um, and so the issue that I see here with uh, with some of the the messaging coming out of um, Portland specifically is that like I'm not really sure what the goals are of these people it's like okay well you want to defund the police what does that mean i understand that it's like it's a, it's a slogan and it helps you know sort of push this idea but if everybody has their own ideas about what that means then obviously it's not having the exact effect that you want and i mean with black lives matter i you know uh, for example i mean i think that's obviously a very um that's a very clear uh, narrative like where we need to we need to give a shit about what's going on to black people in America. However, when you talk to people within the movement, nobody can agree on what needs to be done. It's always very different. And we'll get into, uh, you know, the 1619 project here, here in a little bit. But, you know, it just to me, I see this is this is the problem that I was saying earlier. To me, there is just this propensity to like, we just need to get rid of the old system. We just need to destroy it. Whatever comes after is going to be it's 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 it must be better because whatever is work is happening now just isn't working there's no to me there doesn't seem any actually planning of like what we can do afterwards in the wake of whatever sure, the soft I guess, revolution I, is i guess you're right in the sense of i also find myself you know again i i worry about my own naivety and like i don't even know if i just said that word right i don't even know if that's right it was close i'm, I'm still it was close i'm still focused i'm still focused on the fact that a tree just fell on my car but the 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 thing <laughs> most other the things. thing here is i i'm 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 worried about my own ignorance is a better way to put it about you know what i may like think that i know and really don't you know what what information that i'm getting the the, the you know naiveness of of trying to decipher this and, and and kind of getting myself into into thought loops the one thing i do know though is that like we have the freedom of expression and the freedom to protest you know and if and, and i've seen examples mm -hmm. of the feds these federal agents even if they might be you know quote unquote stopping certain rioters you know as far as protest goes, they're also tear gassing protesters, yeah. you know, and they're also shooting protesters. Bullets, right. Yeah. Is, no, it's, it's, it's blind. Violation. It's blind injustice, <laughs> right? Yes. It's exactly <laughs> blind injustice. And that's why I am, I'm super like that, that, that does start to go down the, the rabbit hole of, of like fascist mind frame and stopping people from going. And, and again, like you said, I'm not saying that we're in, we're in true fascism because of course we also, I have an article about Kim Jong-un that I want to talk about that really kind of paints the picture here of what true fascism would, fascism like would look like. So that's why I'm sympathetic to the worry of heading down that route, but it's just difficult to talk about. And if anything else, you know, I'm just, I'm supportive of, of what is the underlying purposes of of wanting to make change and and to this point in time i'm still unclear the best way to, to go about that 
For sure. And that's the last thing I'll say. For sure. That. And you know, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much uh to talk about this. And I mean, you know, we've we've touched on these topics before, even in our liberalism episode. Gosh, I, I think that was episode nineteen, way back when last year. Um, and we got it was funny, we got quite a lot of flack uh, for for that episode, our intro segment, you know, because as as our listeners will remember, we used to do MBS news segments at the top of of mainline episodes, but now we've given them their own. So speaking of of that North Korean um, essay or article, you know, that you were talking about, uh, this, this is interesting, you know, so do you want to talk about the, uh, uh, the new <laughs> Soviet Union? <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, I, <laughs> well, for me, I just thought it would be an in- interesting juxtaposition of, of the Portland incident and to go into this because the New York Post that article and it's, it's titled Kim Jong-un cracks down on outside cultural influences. And this was first reported by the UK news site Express and they were sourced by the report that the Radio Free Asia did. And right. essentially, now real quick, now real quick, a, is is this the clone of Kim Jong Un? Because I heard he that he died from coronavirus. Right, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that whole another, yeah, conspiracies yeah. will always be around. <laughs> They're fun. Um, so essentially, there was like this video of shown about this person who's describing what's going on. I've been shown it several times, and and what it's showing is that people are literally being arrested and interrogated for speaking and or writing in quote-unquote South Korean style. Hmm. All right, dozens of men and women have been put in shackles and have had their heads shaved while they're being interrogated. You know, and apparently this video shown was claiming that 70% of At least they can get a haircut. Res- <laughs> you know, uh, people can get haircuts now. Um, so at least in Oregon, at least in Oregon, yeah, they can. Yeah. Um, so this was shown in a video claiming that 70% of residents nationwide have been watching South Korean films and dramas, and a North Korean oh, insider no. told, yeah, and a North Korean insider told uh, uh, RFA or, or Radio Free Asia that in quote in quotations here, authorities will utilize various techniques, including more severe legal punishment, along with ideological education projects, to prevent the further infiltration of South Korean culture. <laughs> yes, yeah. so I just thought the idea. I just thought I just thought the idea of like really kind of putting these two things together because the Portland incident, again, that's why I say it echoes elements of fascism and there, there, there's the suppression of the rights that we have that I'm worried about. But the idea of people being shackled and in their head shaved and being brutally interrogated over the concept of just simply using language of, 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 of another country. Um, that is, that is some pretty wild shit i know i said wild earlier well but i there's no other way to you know i mean you know before i get into you know my thoughts on just this specific issue north korea is so fucking fascinating if there was ever a a humanitarian crisis in the world north korea is the place right like logically you would think now i'm not i'm not suggesting that any one nation should do this but logically you would think the humanitarian crisis that is going on in the literal prison camps that are going on in North mm-hmm. Korea, aside, you know, China is a different issue, right? But North Korea, you would think that Western nations would want to go in here and be like, Hey, uh, you gotta stop doing that shit. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I get it. Like they might have a nuke that, you know, they might have several, but, uh, Right. Or until he starts and until he starts invading other places, you know, that's, that's, right. that's tends to be the kicker to, to bring America yeah. into, into the fold, I guess, uh, according to our history, you know, it's like the moment you start trying to invade other places and spread your shit elsewhere, that's when we're like, like, no, no, but then I guess, you know, you can kill your own people. But I don't, I don't, but, uh, yeah. 
Um, no, this is just this is interesting to me. It reminds me a lot of. Do you remember the the Sony distributed film, uh, the interview with Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco, where they mm, like went to go interview yes. uh, Kim Jong Un? Um, it was obviously a parody, uh, but you know, at that time there was a large uh, Sony hack, and uh, North Korea, you know, got a hold of the film. They're like, no, no, you can't, you can't just fucking do this. You can't release this film. Like this is bad for us. And yet, of course, it got released anyway online. And at the time, actually, in South Korea, because there were uh, there were some protests going on about the way that North Korea was treating South Koreans, um, was that people were putting various uh, paraphernalia into balloons, including this movie, and sending them over the border, over the uh, over the DMC, so that North Koreans could get access to some of this material, like like the the movie, the interview. And, you know, there was nothing really that the um, North Koreans uh, could do about it. I saw this uh, Vice News special uh, about it where they would go out at night and send these uh, like big like weather balloons basically over and like they were dropping, you know, medical supplies (laughs) into North Korea, except it was like DVDs and, and weird like Western, you know, democratic shit. And, you know, I, you know, when I hear about this, what's going on, it just goes to show that North Korea is this completely alien world over there. I mean, you know, there, I mean, I remember this was a few years ago where they've been, you know, like constantly there are refugees, right. Coming from North Korea, people escaping uh, for asylum into like China. Right. And there was a woman and uh, I think she was like a young woman. She didn't know what Jupiter was. She also didn't know that, that humans had ever been to the moon. And this was five years ago, maybe. And, you know, they, I mean, they don't, you know, they're taught to believe that Kim Jong-un doesn't poop. Right. Like, right. I, you know, I just, this is the sort of, you know, like I, I, I refrain from using the world world, uh, the word ideology a bit because it has a lot of negative connotations with it, but it's actually a pretty neutral world word. It describes a lot of, of political philosophies and, and, and other forms of ideas that have a, that they have a following, right? So like liberalism is, is a, is a political ideology and, you know, there's philosophy in there too, but it is ideological. Nonetheless, what's going on in North Korea is not just a fascist ideology. It's not just a communist ideology. There's so many other things going on, but it is an ideology of borderline religion. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a religion of of one man and one family where everything that comes through the pipeline must be sanctioned by this person and by his administration. It is completely totalitarian. And what's almost ironic about it is that the people of North Korean are suffering like egregiously. So where like they, they, like I said before, they have little prison camps and you know, their economy is fucking garbage. You know, all they're trying to do is like grasp at straws here. And so that's why, you know, you have something like this where, you know, you have South Korean culture being stopped at the border basically because they don't want their own citizens to know how good it is in the rest of the world. And so, you know, right, and this is the one thing that, and this is also something else that that you know, that, not to jump in here, but like, no, it's fine. I was right. I I know a little bit, but you know, what? sometimes I like to let you go because you know, I I obviously talk a lot too. So the the thing is though is that 
I brought this up because not only is it fascinating, just the comparison of, of what's happening, you know, in our own country, it's, it's also to me, the, the theater person in me just looks about this, this need for the arts, you know, this need for storytelling, this need for like right here. The, the one thing that really hit me was the idea that they're consuming like South Korean dramas and films, you know, mm-hmm. so you can tell that the, the suppression of, you know, just straight up emotion or, or, or enjoyment in these things that we take for granted, you know, and I think that's one thing that here in the U S with the pandemic and everything, you know, the one thing that people are trying to say is, you know, you're just telling artists that oh, you got to go figure out something else to do. <laughs> you know, I think, you know what I think right. it was like, I can't remember it was Ivanka Trump. I don't know if it was Ivanka Trump or something else, but she was like, Oh, they just have to go get a job, you know, just something different oh, what, while she's selling you know, beans. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the thing is though, is that like in that context though, you, you look at like, you know, we have, we have Netflix and we have, you know, all these films that we watch and, and everybody that loves like you, like you even said a couple episodes ago, you're like, you know, I, I just miss going to the movies, you know, oh, you know God, the yeah. and big time. And so like, and I, and I understand, you know, the, the, the safety concerns and the idea of, of coherency and, and trying to keep society going. But, you know, it, it's really kind of showed us, in my opinion, just being connected to the arts that the way that I am, how important that kind of material is for our, our sanity, our well-beings, uh, the human condition, you know, the, the psychology, all of that. And, and just the, the the weirdness and the bizarrity of of North Korea and the fact that, like, you know, you're right. They're trying to essentially stop people from seeing that, like the world is much better than this, this, this facade that, that this leader is trying to, to show. And just the influence of, of wanting to have that, that sort of connection to, to those arts. And, and now people are literally um, being arrested and interrogated for it. Yeah. And that, that is, this is an element of, of true fascism that, that is daunting. Yeah. It's, it's worrying to me. Not that, you know, we'd ever have something like that over here, but the fact that there are people in the world who haven't experienced, like, engaging in culture in such a way that is, like, that is important and beneficial to, like, a person's individual growth. You know, like, the fact that, like, everything that you know is dictated to you by the state and, like, one one person or or at least one person who who is of themselves a part of the state and that everything that you do cons- you know everything that you do consume is highly filtered it's not individualized you know like you know we talk a lot about in the podcast like the sort of the the um the budding of the heads of the differences between you know, collectivism and individualism and you know there's a lot of nuance there that is obviously can't be said in, in one clear statement but mm-hmm. you know individual experiences are important and you know what you're saying you know about about the importance of art for example i mean like i'm so 100 percent on board with that because what art does and what participating in in culture i mean you know like a free, you know food for example food culture is art i would say like the, the you know the, the type of of you know, like you go to like these ridiculous restaurants where these chefs who are probably paid way too much money, but they fucking love what they do. They start these restaurants where they're just like, you know what? Everything on the menu is gonna have like 
it's just going to have grass in it. Like, I don't care. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is my art, you know, and people go to that and they'll pay, you know, $42 a plate that probably feeds a half of a person, you know, like that sort of thing. Like it's bizarre, but that's what, that's what people do in the culture. You know, like they do weird things because it's what they're, it's what they're trying to do as a creative person. And you know what, when they, when they do that, other people benefit from it. You know, even it doesn't, you know, they could be creative as well, but the fact that we're all consuming, you know, I hate to use the word consume, but the fact that we're participating rather in the sort of culture of art and craft really makes us come together, I think, you know, to actually bring this back here as a society, right? We experience these wonderful, beautiful things as individuals, and then we bring it together to grow. And when we look at North Korea, like what is North Korea contributing to the to the worldwide culture, you know, that we can really, that, that we can really disseminate and understand what's going on there as far I mean, like, you know, further than totalitarianism. I mean, you know, but you look at China, right? China is, I feel like an enigma to me and they're clearly doing some questionable shit, but China is a force to be, we- to be reckoned with. You know, there's so many things that China is doing that we understand, you know, that we didn't really understand, you know, I don't know, like you and I are both 30. So there's obviously a limit to our uh, historical education. But I mean, in the last in the last 15 years, I feel like China is becoming this powerhouse, right, that we never really uh, saw them doing. But that's because China does something unique. You know, North Korea, like I said, is this totalitarian regime where they're just producing misery, it feels like for their people. And, you know, I don't know if this is some type of like, Western privilege that we might have like oh we need to produce culture you know in, in order to be like an interesting person i just don't know i you know it's it's troubling to me that there are places like that that just exist in the world you know so right and and i just and i just think too and it's like and the one thing i you know not to kind of go back to the portland thing but the only the only thing that i kind of was reminded of with what you just said and going down the this whole north korean route is that like i just it's bizarre to me when i see people that i know you know posting about you know they're supporting what the the feds are doing down there because like we have to stop these these crazy you know mm-hmm. violent anarchists and it's just like it, it it just blows my mind that the same people that i feel you know that that have always i don't know like to me, this is what I think, you know, like, so, some people said this before, but it's like, this is what the fucking Second Amendment is about, you know, and it's just about, like, protecting, you know, if the government oversteps, you know what I mean? If the government oversteps, like, we're supposed to fight up against that. And they've somehow, you know, again, I'm not saying that I agree with, with, with rioting per se, but, like, when you say that everything is a riot and you say that they're all violent protesters or things like that or violent anarchists, you're, you're, you are washing, you're generalizing and washing over the the actual protests that are happening there, which I would argue that are happening more often this this day and now than than there would be with quote unquote rioters, that there's people that are legitimately applauding, you know what Trump is yeah. doing, and that blows my yeah. That to mind. me, that's that's like, really troubling. Actually, you know, you have these conservatives largely, I think, who are obviously opposed to the things that Antifa and even Black Lives Matter stand for, and then you know, who have traditionally been limited government, right? These conservative, you know, these conservative thinkers are just, you know, just populist in general. And then they want more government to, to step in on protesters, like, you know, protesters who are exercising their freedom of speech, mind you. And they're like, yeah, we want a police state. (laughs) 
like i know they're not coming you know, out and, and saying that and what's but funny, it's like what i know i know that but that's and it's also too it's the same right that they are using to protest these 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 anti-mask stuff you know what i mean it's like the same right that you have to think that you can go out and protest not wearing a mask you don't like the measures that's it's it's, it's just bizarre you know it's like i think what we've gotten to is that like Okay, so since I don't believe in that idea or that concept, then yeah, 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 we can we can be authoritative there, but don't be authoritative here. Or I can have my rights here, but don't have your rights there. You know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's getting to it's it's just a hodgepodge, and it's a hodgepodge. But speaking of you know, culture, I think for the sake of time, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's kind of let's kind of yeah, move on a... here because I, I'm going to be honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. I I know what you're about to cover, and I don't even know if I have anything to say on this because I I'm like still kind of. Yo, up in the That's air. okay. I'm, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you, I'll spark your thing. um your uh, your interest here. Um, so there's and, and bear with us, folks. We we only got a couple things left uh, to talk about, and then we can get out of here. You know, we try to keep these uh, news uh, segments short. So uh, this next thing here, I have, and to me, I don't know. We and we don't have to spend that much time on it. It's just uh, it's just interesting uh, to me that the uh, GOP senator Tom Cotton pitched a bill or is trying to pitch a bill to prohibit the use of federal funds to teach the 1619 project. And this is coming from CNN. So, and I'll give some background here, but uh, just to introduce, you know, so the Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, you know, introduced this legislation to take aim at the teaching of the 1619 project, which was an initiative from the New York times that reframes American history around the date of August 1619, when the first slave ships arrived on North America's on, well, on the America shores. So, and Tom Cotton, actually, this is interesting because he'd been getting a little in a little bit of hot water. He published a, uh, a piece in the New York times that was redacted because they thought what he was saying was too dangerous. And I think it had something to do with the black lives matter movement and the whole defund, defund the police thing. I, I was never able to see it because it was, it was pulled and, and Barry Weiss had this big thing um, about it where, um, yeah, we, it's, it's not exactly important, but, you know, to give some further background here. So a statement from the senator's office announced the bill introduced uh, that states that the legislation uh, will be titled the Saving American History Act of 2020, which is just the stupidest fucking name and would prohibit the use of federal funds, federal funds to teach a 1619 project to K through 12 schools and school districts. So schools that teach a 1619 project would also be ineligible for federal professional development grants. So the idea for the 1619 project, which we talked about before in the podcast, I, th- I think it was in our, I think it was yes. on our state of comedy episode that we, uh, that we did. We brought about it, talked about it in our um, NBS news segment uh, at the time. It was pitched by staff writer, Nicole Hannah Jones, who spent her career writing about modern racial inequities and segregation and actually won a MacArthur grant, which is also known as a genius grant for some reason. And uh, her work uh, for her work in 2017, she also won a Pulitzer prize for commentary uh, this year as a result of the project. And so, I guess, you know, the reason why this is interesting to me is one, like this, the 1619 project, because of its, because of its influence uh, on society at the, at the, at the present moment, you know, there are been, you know, there's the Pulitzer prize com- commission, I believe it was. Um, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong listeners, but they wanted to bring this into the modern education system and, and start, you know, trying to introduce this into history lessons within K through 12. And this whole project in general got 
a lot of pushback from historians uh, in America and about the about the beginning of slavery and the beginning of America and various different details in it. And in fact, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones has propagated various conspiracy theories on Twitter. And have even, you know, said nasty things about her fellow journalists at the New York Times, and has just overall been pushing this I, this agenda about, you know, this whole, you know, the, the basic premise of the 1619 project. And in this case, with Tom Cotton, you know, he's wanting to push back against this. And I think it's largely is just talk. Right. Like, I don't think there's anything of substance here going on. To me, this is just political back and forth, you know, complete bullshit. However, I think it's interesting because it says a lot about how, you know, this has to do, I think, with our conversation with Orlando, actually, back a a few podcasts ago, we were talking about the recent uh, murder of George Floyd and how people are so vehemently opposed to new narratives going on. And I just, I'm curious, you know, I know you said that you might not have a lot to, to say here, which is fine, but I'm curious if you think this is a battle worth fighting for. Like, do you think that, you know, because personally, I really, I, I really rather loathe my history, my history education in middle school and high school, because I felt like I learned uh, jack shit. And I'm not saying that right. this this whatever this new thing would be would be any better but personally most of my education came post high school because our education sure. system is failing us anyway and i'm just wondering is this the right hill to die on so th- this is kind of I-, I guess this is what i'll say the reason why i said i didn't really kind of want to talk about this is because i don't know the validity of the historical research that was done for the 1916 sure. project. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, you know, I cannot confirm or deny, you know, if, if a lot of the things that were pulled for that were accurate, you know, historically, but what I can say, and what I do want to talk about is that I've always, you know, I learned this kind of in college with one of my history professors, you know, and when I took history one one in college, you know, I, the, the history professor, he was straight up honest with us. He goes, history is difficult because you know, it was, it's often just written by the victor, you know, and, and with that being said, when it's written by the victor, it's often skewed to, to make them, to make whoever was in power at the time, who was ever commissioning to to write down this history, you know, to, to favor, you know, a certain mind frame. And so you look at, you know, I kind of think about what happened to the native Americans and, and what, you know, what we did to them and, and their culture when we kind of took over this land and how a lot of that history has been, well, not very shared correctly in schools or, or you, you, you take a look at certain other, other aspects of history and how they might've come to be, or certain things that I'm learning, you know, post being in school about the way that things, how things were. So the, the element and the, and the drive behind that project, I I'm supportive of, I'm supportive of the fact that like, it would make sense that there is there was some sort of connection to to slavery and the economy and and what that meant for us and and how we you know like I told you I said when I read when I researched what classic liberalism meant and and the in the in the concepts and the understanding and the fact that we were able to enslave human beings and still talk about freedom and liberty blows my fucking mm-hmm. mind you know and it's it just like having both of those things exist at the same time 
you know, doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and how can, and I thought, how, and you know, maybe it's culturally acceptable back then, but how did not, how did more people not be like, what the hell it's hip, it's hypocrisy in my opinion. And so like, I can understand that motivation, but like I said, I don't know enough to know if that this fight is good, but it does remind me and not to switch, but it does kind of remind me of like what's going on right now about like all these Confederate statues and these people, we have to save our history, yeah. you know? And it, and I'm just, it, and I'm like, okay, first of all, the conf- the civil war was like what? Five years, maybe roughly. If, if I have my history, it's it lasted for roughly about five years. You know, there, like I, I saw memes that Aqua Teen Hunger Force ran for 15 years. So if you're going to judge like history on a time frame of something happening or, or a pivotal moment, then maybe we could put Aqua history in there. I, I just, you know, and then I talked, you know, like I talked to my grandma the other day. And she's like, well, the, you know, the Confederate history, it's, it's our, you know, it's our background. I'm like, as what? Uh, you know, as, as white people? <laughs> like, because wouldn't that be German history? Like, wouldn't that be German? Like, do you know we all came from Europe? Like, wouldn't that be, like, wouldn't that be British history? Like, right. w- there's been places and cultures that has existed well before America. America is relatively new, you know, in in the time frame of human history and, and the occupations of societies that have been created in that time. You know, the rise and fall of societies. And so, like, this idea of us being so new and to hold on to that, like, it's just, it's just weird connection to history. Um, and, and even in, in a connection of, of people that don't even understand it, that don't really have a, a, a concept of it. And I can say that because I know I don't, you know, I know that I struggle with, with certain history, like you said, with the sheep and other stuff. And, and I'm still checking myself and making sure that I find credible sources and understanding the history of things. And, and this is really going to connect well into the, you know, the last thing that I have in, in describing too, but that that's kind of that's what it reminds me of and and that's kind of just surface level what my brain is thinking yeah you know with the history thing it's it's like i you know i get frustrated too with you know uh, you know actually this is interesting because i sort of had a come to jesus moment um maybe you know maybe a year ago maybe maybe more than that i can't remember but you know when i was hearing these uh you know about other uh statues being taken down i was like well I mean, is that really a good idea? Like it, it you know, cause I was sort of falling into that narrative, like, Hey, you know, like it is just, are you just wanted to erase history now? Is that what's going on? And while I still think that getting rid of certain statues, just, you know, it's sort of like changing the names of buildings, right? Like, okay. So like, we want to change this name, like this person, you know, whom this building was named. It happens all yeah, the no, time. I know though. it does. I know Literally. it does. But the fact that we're doing that, it's like, okay, well, we just don't want to remember that anymore. And I'm not saying that the statue, especially with the Confederate statues, right? They were largely in response to the Civil Rights Act, you know, and, and the Civil Rights Movement during the 1960s, right? So these these statues aren't a hundred, you know, a hundred years old, at least not yet, and they were just in basically in protest, like, oh no, you know, we're going to represent our shit because like the Confederacy, oh yeah, baby, we were great, even though you fucking seceded from the country and you fucking lost a war. You know, like that to me is fucking weird. But, you know, this idea that we are we need to erase, you know, or the, or the, the fact that we're erasing history by taking by getting rid of some of these statues. Now, I don't think that we should be taking down statues of Thomas Jefferson or or George Washington or um, uh, uh, or Frederick Douglass, <laughs> which was just. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say about that. But, you know, these Confederate statues, like, it just doesn't even make sense. It's the same reason why it, it doesn't really make sense to me to fly the Confederate battle flag 
Like, it's like, what are you, what are you right. doing that for? I mean, like, what do you, well, for me, this, this is, this is, this is the thing. This is the thing though. you keep using the word erase. And this is why I think rhetoric sure. is important because I feel like erase is misleading. How I view it is what aspects of history are we glorifying? Mm. You know, and I think the proper word is glorification and we're trying for me, it's not about erasing history. It's about unglorifying certain aspects of our history that have been taught to us in a glorified way that is not yeah. glorified, you know, and, and that that's how I view it. And that's why people get twisted because they, they're believing that history is being erased. And I'm we're not going to erase the fucking civil war. We're not going to erase confederacy. Like, it's stupid. It, it, we're literally just not trying to glorify because that's what the South does. You glorify that, you know, and there's aspects of that that are, well, you not... know, they'll rise again. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is that history should be, is, is there to learn mm -hmm. lessons from is, is what I think is what we should be using history for. And if you learn a lesson that like something we were standing up for, something that we were doing, that's not correct then that is that you know that because things change ideas change culture change the 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 social accepted of what's normal changes and we grow and we adapt from that and we've always done this and so it just blows my mind that a people are fighting for something that they don't even know or truly understand you know they just don't want it to be gone b i i don't think it's erasing it's 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 trying to fix this this glorification of something that shouldn't be glorified and that that's the same thing i have with the founding fathers that's like you know people people view the constitution the founding fathers you know as 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 almost again like you like you said for kim jong un this like this is like almost yeah. religiously like the you know like these these works of art the constitution is is almost a a you know an american a doctrine that that we hold so sacred and it's like it was meant to be amended it was meant to change with the times you know and and we should learn from history to do that and so like i just think that like these people were human we're all human you know and and i don't know that's that's just kind of my take on it i just think it's silly it's it's that's why i'm curious you know like do you does that make sense to you like the idea of like non-glorification no no I, I, yeah i think i i think i'm totally on board with that you know it's because I don't know, it, it's I'm still a little conflicted on the issue because it's like, okay, well, these statues are there, you know, we should do something with them, you know, not just like destroy them, right? But you know, put them like put them in a museum or something. I know that argument has been made before, but yeah, I mean, you know, why why glorify the losers, you know? Like that, right. that's like that's like that's like, like neo Nazis, not that's just like losers, but it's like those it's like neo Nazis yeah, now, yeah. just like so. Like you guys, like we kicked your asses, you know, it, it took a bit, but we kicked your asses. We cooked the kicked the Nazis asses. And now you're like, well, we're Nazis are cool again. <laughs> Make Nazis great again. Like, I just like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Like you realize like nobody likes you. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's well, spe yeah, speaking, speaking, speaking okay, so of, of changing minds. How about that? Speaking of changing minds, I know yes. there was something that you wanted to share with me. This essay that you read, you know, this is a little bit less of a news item, but something I felt like that you you th you thought was pretty significant when it came to the, the, the current culture right now. And so, you know, I know there's something you wanted to read to me, so. Yeah, and I, and I'm and I'm gonna read this. I want your opinion that we'll call the day because you, you you literally like oh listeners bear with us. We're gonna make this quick and we're already pushing an hour here. Uh, we just can't help ourselves. So yeah, do you want to go another thing. two hours? It, it, this the, <laughs> yeah right. So this is posted from the from the Commonwealth and it's uh, cheers for socialism. 
is the name of it. So I know that you're going to make fun of me, call me to the shows. Yeah, but three thumbs. This, yeah, but two I, thumbs I way you up. To, yo, yeah. eventually, yo, this is just a passage from it, and this just was really moving. You know, I and I've read the whole article twice because there's a lot of stuff in there to digest. And okay, so here's the quote. And again, listeners, bear with me too. Like, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I do have mild dyslexia. I think you've mentioned it. I think you and I talked about. Yeah. I think you and I talked about that too. So, like, that's why I kind of stumble on my reading here. But don't worry, so, I've, I've got it too. So it's all right. Okay, you can correct me. So, and I quote: "Americans are, of course, the most thoroughly and passively indoctrinated people on earth. They know next to nothing as rule about their own history, or the histories of other nations, or the histories of various social movements that have risen and fallen in the past. And they certainly know little or nothing of the complexities and contradictions compromised within words like, oh, comprised within words like." socialism and capitalism chiefly what they have been trained not to know or even suspect is that in many ways they enjoy far fewer freedoms and suffer under a more intrusive centralized state than do the citizens of countries with more vigorous social democratic institutions this is at once the most comic and most tragic aspect of the excitable alarm that talk of social democracy or democratic socialism can elect on these shores an enormous number of Americans have been persuaded to believe that they are freer in the abstract than, say, Germans or Danes, precisely because they possess far fewer freedoms in the concrete. They are far more vulnerable to medical. We they are far more vulnerable to medical and financial crises. Far more likely to receive inadequate health coverage. Far more prone to imparable insolvency. Far more unprotected against predatory creditors, far more subjected to income inequality, and so forth, while effectively paying more in taxes, and quotes here, or brackets here, when one figures in federal, state, local, and sales tax, and then compounds those by all the expenditures that this country, as almost nowhere else, their taxes do not cover, end quote. One might think that people who once rebelled against the mightiest empire on earth on the principle of no taxation without representation would not meekly accept taxation without adequate government services. But we accept what we have become used to, I suppose. Even so, one has to ask, what status apparatus in the quote-unquote free world could be more powerful and tyrannical than one that taxes its citizens while providing no substantial civil benefits in return? solely in order to enrich paradically overinflated military industry complex to ease the tax burdens of the immensely wealthy. Yeah. So that was a rough read through guys. I apologize about that. Yeah. It's in the show notes. Yeah. Every, yeah everybody click yeah, on the link. Everybody will read be on the show on it and read it and I'll, and I'll definitely read through the, the whole uh, article myself, but you know, so I guess I have a couple of reactions here. First of all, I mean, you said I'd be interested in this first sentences, uh, which I am, but I think in the in different reasons. So, you know, when he says that the the Americans are, of course, the most thoroughly and passively indoctrinated people on earth. I mean, I don't know if you could exactly make that claim. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a it's a bit hyperbolic, but I see where he's coming from in the sense that Americans aren't you know, because because I feel like America is so separated from the rest of the world, right? We're literally, you know, we're across, you know, we're in between two oceans, right? Where on either side, you know, on the European and Asian continent, there's so much going on. There's so much information coming back and forth. There's so many intricate, you know, uh, in 
uh, integrated and in interesting histories going on that you really can't help but be included into the history uh, that had been going on in those, uh, in, you know, in those countries and on those in, on those continents. Especially considering that America was sort of founded not necessarily in isolationism, but at least a breakaway uh, from what was going on in Europe at the time, and so it makes sense to me that America is a bit uh, inculcated from the their own history, from our own history rather, and so so I get that, but I but I think the you know what he's saying here when it comes to indoctrination, I think that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. I think it just comes down to it's not economically valuable to for us to be that educated, right? Because America is this country where we need to produce and produce and produce to like be the leaders in the world or whatever that is supposed to mean. And so it doesn't benefit us to be educated in that way, whereas in other countries on earth it might be different. Now, the rest of this here is interesting. You know, because he's talking about freedom, and Josh, you, uh, you and I uh, know this very well that he's talking about positive freedom and not negative freedom, right? Now, right? Yeah, yeah. capability essentially, like the what I've been for hounding for, on, so you know, two yeah. fucking years that I've been having to fucking <laughs> listen to. Yeah, um, you know, so so that's fair enough. Now, yeah. I can't. What I can't say here is that I don't know what it is like in most European countries when it comes to negative freedom right because as far as i can tell you know there are a lot of countries in the world where you can't say or do the things that we can do here you know in britain for example you don't have freedom of speech you can be arrested for the things that you say on twitter right so that's an that's an aspect of negative freedom that they just don't have now when it comes to positive freedom he's absolutely right right there are things that the government provides uh for their you know taxpaying citizens that we absolutely get nowhere near to having, right? We don't have that sort of quote unquote freedom that a lot of other European nations especially have. However, yeah, because like I think Denmark, if you're a McDonald's worker in Denmark, it's like translates to about $20 an hour American. And I believe they get like five weeks paid vacation and a pension. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe if you, also, if you work at if you work at fast food restaurants in in Denmark, yeah, I, think I also don't know what, what you know are, are Denmark's Danes. Yeah, I don't know what I mean, like the Danish uh, dollar, you know, equivalent, whatever that is worth. Um, sure, you know, because the American dollar goes quite a bit, although it is steadily becoming worthless. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, that's but, true, but, but the yeah, I feel you there. Yeah, but the point here that I want to make is that America. You know, this is this is a point that I've I've made before on the podcast, especially when it comes to around like uh, uh, gun safety and and gun reform uh, in the U.S. versus other countries. America is is a little bit different. We do things differently. That doesn't make us better, but we view our culture as something where look, we want to try to maximize negative freedom. We don't really care what you get. If you can get it, great. You know, pull yourself up from from your bootstraps. That whole ridiculous ideology, but. That is sort of the way we do things here. And what comes along with that is our military industrial complex, what he talked about down here uh, in the bottom. You know, this is something that Eisenhower yeah. warned, warned against us. We have become so powerful and, and so influential in the world that we need to this. And this is the ideology, right? That's that's uh, that prevalent in the sort of American eco, you know, ethos and, and psyche is that we need to protect it. We need defense. We need to be and not only that, but we need to also influence the rest of the world into our 
bidding basically we it's sort of it's the will to power in action right like we need to create yeah i mean we have and the america is like and i feel like lately it's like maybe back maybe back in you know the night you know back for world war one world war two all these things maybe that was warranted but now i feel like america is you know for lack of a better term we're, we're like paranoid you know, we yeah. think that, you know, every everybody is out to get us. And that's why we have to have this ridiculous military budget. And that's what your tax dollars are going for. You know, and we're like, you know, we got to have this and we glorify it. And we, you know, and we're, we're all like under this thing. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, they're going to tax us a fuck ton. We're not going to get any benefit from that. But you know what? It, it, you're the right. Everybody's out to get us. Yeah. You know, and like that's I feel like that's kind of like what it's turned into. And I am personally yeah. aggrieved by the amount of money that the government spends. First of all, just like on, on its own right, right? The government spends uh, an absurd amount of money and we are in an absurd amount of I mean, what's great is debt. I love that, like, yeah, I know, and the Congress too, and the, con- like, hey, uh, they get to vote on their own wages. I love that. Hey, you guys want to vote on a, a pay increase for all of us? Uh, those in favor? Uh, I I wish I can go into my job and be like, hey, uh, I would like to vote for a pay increase for me. Yeah. Uh, can I? <laughs> and I'm the, and my vote is I the wish- only one that matters, so yes, I get a pay increase. Correct, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, but also the, like, just the amount of money that we spend on on the military it, it is it is egregious it is i mean close to 50 percent in in our overall gdp and it just it doesn't make sense you know when it comes like and this you know what he's talking about here no taxation without representation like he's absolutely right you know like the shit that we pay for like we just we aren't getting it, it like it's just we aren't getting what we're uh, you know quote unquote owed however this is where my overall problem with not not socialism like socialism like that the word socialism to me doesn't fucking mean anything like it is it is just it's right. just well it, i mean like that's what not to interrupt you here, but that's why he does say, like, you know, the, the complexities and the contradictions comprised in these words. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, no, he, he's definitely hitting the nail on the head here. Like, when people say, so, they're like, oh, socialism, oh, God, we can't have that. It's like, do you know what that fucking means? It's the same thing when people say, it, they're like, oh, God, you know, I'm glad we live in a capitalist country. Or when people criticize capitalism, you know, they're like, well, it's, I mean, it's fucking capitalism, man, it's killing us. I'm like, you don't fucking know what that is. And, you know, my, my right. big issue here is that... Because only a few of us, only a handful of us are actually traditional we're actually true capitalists like most right. of us are just working yeah most of us like, are you know, just we're like not, pawns yeah <laughs> we're the bourgeoisie yeah, most of us are not exactly um, like and or there's a lot of people rather. that believe like yeah they're no i i no i i'm a, i'm a capitalist like no you're not like you know if you, if you don't own anything if you're not like you can't just <laughs> claim to be a capitalist if you if you know if you make 30k a year and like i'm a capitalist you're like what are you talking about it's like no it's you're not, not even what that means no you're not yeah yeah um but you know my my biggest thing here is like now he's he's certainly saying that there are a lot of issues, and I think you know this this author. I, I shouldn't say he, but the the author rather. What they're saying is that obviously what we might view as American capitalism or American exceptionalism or Western values that clearly isn't doing it for everybody, and we shouldn't just right. take it as face value. However, I feel the same thing with the other side here. What he's talking about is that are we better off? in this other view of things like, okay, well maybe you'll get better healthcare and maybe we'll get this and that blah, blah, blah. Fucking cry to your mom. Go home. I, <laughs> this is, this is me being a complete piece of shit. And so Josh, you, you can, you feel free to, to, um, uh, to echo that. But I, I just don't see relying on the state as a good thing. And th- you know, this is just my personal, a grievance, right, with the idea of of statehood, and you know, this is our, you know, this is why I was sympathetic earlier in the conversation about, uh, you know, my sympathy. Look, with, Ian, with I know I'm going to jump in yeah. here real quick because it's like, look, I would share that view with you if they didn't tax me 
and they didn't already use my fucking money. Yeah. All yeah. of our money. Yeah. Like, so the problem is, though, is that, like... Taxation is theft. Remind... <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, like, you. it's just... But to me, it, it comes off as a sense of compliancy from you. Like, it's a compliancy of, like, that, well, you know what? I can't see that ever making any change, so sure, just go ahead and keep taking my money and spending it on whatever you want to spend it on. You know, like, I just feel like that... That to me, that that compliance is well, what I have a problem. Yeah, I mean, with, you know, can I with, can I say something about this here? This is not necessarily me sure. pushing back, but the complacency here that you're they're speaking about, like, I would fucking love for the government not to take taxes out of my paychecks, right? I would just love to make my money that I'm fucking that I've earned, right, and per, and provide for my family, you know, the way that I want to. However, because the government does that. I am forced, and you know this just as well as I do, we are forced to work longer hours, to work more days out of the week, to sacrifice other things that we would rather be doing and work more because yes. the government is yes. t- is literally taking, you know, if you average it out, the, the federal government takes an average of 40% of your, uh, of your income every year. You know, sometimes more than that, sometimes less. 40%. Like that's fucking egregious for the for the little amount of shit that the government does for you, right? And so, right, but that's the, the hold on. But that okay, okay, go uh, ahead. Finish yeah, your point I'll, I'll finish my thought. I'm just saying, finish like, point. finish your thought. Fly- I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I just get all fired up like you do. <laughs> but so, so yeah, you just finish your point, and then I'll make. I would point. rather not contribute to that at all. But I am a pragmatist, and I am a survivalist. I have to survive and I have to provide for my family, bar none. And so my contribution and my compliance to that is only um, it is only relegated to me providing for the people that I care about. And unfortunately, you know, I have to be a realist in this. And, you know, I know like, you you know, you think that's a little bit of a dirty word and, and I agree in, in a lot of instances, but I have to be a realist and like, this is just the way the world works. I wish it were different. Um, the best thing that I can do is do the podcast, right? Talk about it sure. and like turn it into our own thing where we can go tax free, you know, because fuck the government. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's really the last thing I'll say. So I want, I want you to, you know, respond to everything then. And, you know, we could probably get out of here. Sure. The last thing that I'll say is that I guess this is where you and I kind of differ in our views because I, I've seen meaningful change happen. I've seen the developed world that we lived in. And like you said, there's some people like, you know, like Michael Schumer and, and like all these other people that have, have written books about, you know, the idea. And I think Steven Pinker even talked about this a little bit where in the overall concept of quality of life, you know, one could argue that the quality of life is on average better than what it was like a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? With the things that we've been given. And so, and there's, there's cultures that have, have rise and falls and societies that have rise and fall. And to me, I go, you know, most of the developed world has instances where they, they give back to their citizens, whether that be helping with infrastructure, whether that be giving us opportunities to, to, like you said, you want to provide for your family. So for me, the reason why I pitch these ideas, is because I believe both can, can exist at the same time. You talked about the UK and how you could be arrested for what you say. You know, and I, I'm saying here in America, the freedom of speech aspect of it to not be arrested, to do this podcast and, and not or like North Korea, for example, like that is aspects of, of liberalism that I that I can agree with and I can and contest to. But it, why does it have to be 100 percent that all or nothing? Why? like, And for me, even with socialism ideas, there's 
aspects that I want to merge in, but it doesn't mean that it's got to be full blown or nothing. You know, this idea of full blown or nothing is what, what, what is bizarre to me because I also agree with supporting my family and my loved ones and the things I want to do. And the balance that I think of if they are, if you're being a realist and they are going to tax us, why not try to fight for at least getting some sort of relief in certain aspects to have the ability to continue to make better money for your family? Again, this capability aspect where, you know, I, I think there's certain aspects where I go, if you're taking my tax dollars, then why not? allocate some of that budget for like healthcare. So I don't have to jump holes with my insurance companies and figure out what's covered and what's not covered. So I don't have to do, I have to find an in, in network hospital, you know, where, where some people have like out of network surgeries or where I don't know why that I had a 40 minute surgery on my head, getting a, like a bump removed, you know, that, that 40 minute, 40 minute surgery that the doctor told me went as well as it could go. It still cost me $2,000. You know, I just don't get that. You know, I just don't understand why people are fighting for this bureaucracy of insurance, you know, and these, these certain things where I'm just like, look, you want to know where it's going to, where it should be paid for. You already take our money. So at least give us a little bit, a little bit of relief to be able to, to exercise these freedoms that you've given us, you know, and that's where I'm at. And that's what seems to make the most amount of sense in my head. So that's why I'm going to talk with you about it on the podcast. I'm going to keep keep trying to fight for that because, like you said, you keep fighting the good fight. Like you, you said, <laughs> I will. If they're going to take our taxes and they're going to take our money, like I'm going to keep hoping that if I make a lot enough stink, and most people make a lot enough stink, maybe one day, you know, maybe not in my generation, maybe for my kids or or, or their grandkids or whatever, that like we could be in a world where certain things are taken care of that financially devastate most Americans. You know, on average, you know, one medical bill away, you know, from from not being able to to pay for the roof over your head. You know, that that is something that I feel like is egregious. And, and that's that's where I'll end it for me. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Just a word of advice. Everybody should just stop paying their taxes. All right. So, everybody, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time on the uh, Necessary Bullshit podcast and NBS News. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. And um, yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, necessarybspod.com. Go check us yeah, out. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.